here's what I, I believe. I, I have been just chomping at the bit to preach this message uh, all week long. I couldn't wait because I, I really believe that this message that I have today is so powerful that it, that it has the power, not through me, but by the life-giving spirit of our God to radically transform your destiny. Now, now that I, that's, that's a bold statement, but I'm just telling you, this message today, if you will lean in, come on, tell three people right now, you got to lean in, you got to, you got to lean in, you got to lean in, all right? Some of you guys that are single go, you heard it, you got you to lean into me, come on, girl, come on. It's not the lean in I'm talking about. Listen, God, God wants to do a radical work in your life today. Some of you are going to walk out of here today and you're going to be like, my life will never be the same. I can never be the same. So um, let's see if we can live up to that hype. If you've got a, a Bible, let's go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, uh, download version, great version of the Bible. I read out of the New Living Translation. While you're, while you're looking that up, we're in this series called Ignite where we are talking about these eight practices of the early church that are found in the book of Acts. And if you're new to church, the book of Acts is simply the story of how the church was birthed. So if you ever wonder what is church, just read through the book of Acts. You'll see kind of what church is really supposed to be. Kind of you get a, a real misperception sometimes of what church is. Read the book of Acts. I love that as a church right now, we're reading as a church through the book of Acts. And, and just the first few chapters, I mean, it's so awesome to just look and see, man, the Holy Spirit is just all, all over the early church, just all over. No wonder it exploded. Like when the Holy Spirit just starts getting all over this place, like you're gonna, we're going to have to set up more rows and more rows and more rows and start more services, and then we're going to run out of room here, and we're going to have to start more campuses and more campuses. That's where you get excited, and you're like, that's good news, Brad. Come on, somebody excited about that, about reaching more people for Jesus? All right. So there's these eight practices, and here's the thing. For those of you that weren't clapping, those of you that aren't going whoop, whoop, uh, and you're wondering, man, why am I not as excited as this person that's getting crazy next to me? Why did I sit next to this crazy person? Listen, these eight simple practices have the power to ignite your faith because it's what ignited the early church. So we've been through four of them. Uh, the first one we talked about was daily devotions. I get in the word every day that divine direction is found through daily devotions. Then we talked about Sunday worship, being in the house of God will ignite your faith. And Pastor Daniel did an amazing job on that message. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, if I remember the big concept, it was a long one, but I think I, it was uh, if the people of God uh, come into the house of God and they experience the presence of God, they'll be filled with the power of God. I think something like that. Is that close? That's close? All right. Good enough? Okay. And then, then we talked about continual surrender. Continual surrender builds a confident spirit. And then last week we talked about sharing Christ. Sharing Christ is sharing life. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. It's what I'm fired up about. Persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. Specifically, persistent prayer power. Some of you are going to walk out of here with so much power, you're going to be like, I had no idea. All right, so let me set this up. Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 23. So last week we talked about Peter and John. They went to the temple and they healed this this beggar and uh, he jumped up he was dancing and then uh, Peter and John started talking about Jesus and the religious leaders they were like whoa 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 you can't talk about Jesus so they arrested them then they decided to let Peter and John go because they saw if we if we keep these guys in prison there's going to be a riot we're going to lose our jobs so they didn't know what to do with them so they just kind of let Peter and John 
go. And then we pick it up here in chapter four, verse 23. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John, they returned to the other believers and they told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Here's the prayer they prayed. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit. So there it is again, the Holy Spirit all over the book of Acts. If you want your life to change, grab a hold of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit through our ancestor David. That's the guy with the sling to kill the giant. And this is what God said through David. Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. That Messiah being, as we know, to be Jesus. And they said, in fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles, the people of Israel. They were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did, it was determined beforehand according to your will. Way, way back with David. We get it, God. Way back with David, you said this was, this was going to happen. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. I'm telling you, what I need the saints to do today, what I need the, those of you that are followers of Jesus to do today, I need you to pray for me that I will preach with boldness because of the message that God wants to speak into people's lives today. Pray that I will preach with boldness. Some of you are like, how much bolder can he be? He's been yelling at me for five minutes. I haven't even started, okay? He says, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. How awesome would that be, huh? It was the last time you prayed and it was like, whoo, whoo, that was good. Listen, the Holy Spirit, is, listen, God wants to shake this place, not stir this place, okay? I want it shaken, not stirred. Let me put it in real life terms for you. Like, I love it when the Holy Spirit stirs things up because it's a stirring. It's a stirring. It's like, it's, like, it's, like it's, it's like a breeze on His people. But then there are times that He wants to shake us to our very foundation. And I, I believe this is that day. I believe He's going to shake you to your very foundation. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the Word of God with boldness. Father, that's what we ask for today. Would you help me right now, God, to preach with boldness, preach with the power of the Holy Spirit, and help us, God, to respond in such a way that our hearts and our minds and our souls are open to your Spirit today. If you're new to our gathering and you're not a person of prayer and you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to encourage you that you can lean into. Right now, you can actually just say a simple prayer, God, all right, speak to me. And I promise you today, he, he will speak to you, your life radically transformed in the blink of an eye. So just lean in a little bit today. If you're ready to hear from the word in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Uh, you may be seated. Well, it's uh, tax season. Thought I'd start this message with a pick-me-up, you know. <laughs> now you're all encouraged, aren't you? Woo, glad I came to church today. He's going to talk about taxes. Awesome. All right, I want some audience participation here. Uh, I need you to help me out so everybody kind of lean in a little bit, get off your Facebook, and uh, just for a minute, you can get back on it here in a moment, but for now, just pretend you're listening. I need you to participate. How, how many of you 
Um, you got your taxes done. Raise your hand. Your taxes are done. Come on, somebody. Man, way to go. Okay, you put your hands up. How, how many of you? How many of you are 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 putting putting off your taxes? Raise your hand. How, how many of you? Okay. All right. How many of you didn't even know it was tax season? Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, uh, you know, putting off your taxes is like hearing a noise in the other room and hearing one of your kids go, uh-oh. And you're like, I'm not going in there. I'm just going to pretend like I didn't hear it. Okay. All right. Now, how many of you, how many of you, based on getting your taxes done, how many of you are, um, you're, you're paying in, you're, you're going to have to pay this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, be honest in the house of God. When the offering plate came by, didn't you go, hey, they won't miss that 20? Didn't you know, you're like, I'll just say, that'll help me out right there. <laughs> you're not laughing because it's so real. You're like, oh, I could use that. That was a 50. Wow. <laughs> how, how many of you, um, how many of you are getting a refund? You're getting money back. Yeah. Would you keep your hand up for those who are paying that they can come find you after service? There they are. There's the people to hunt down right there. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm, I was ex- I'm excited because uh, this year, and I, I've never done this. I'm a procrastinator, so we always put it off because we usually always have to pay. But this year, um, well, here's what, here's what happened. Last year, we, uh, we, got, we just got hit hard. It was brutal. I mean, our taxes were awful. And so we did some restructuring to our, our finances and, and redid it all. And so this year I knew, all right, this is going to be good. We're going to get a refund. And so I did my taxes early. I was super excited. And, and then I got the report. And, and I, I'm just going to be honest, I wasn't expecting like a, a lot of money. But I knew I was going to get a, a, a little bit back. And then I, and then I, got, um, I got the report. And uh, I am... Uh, I, I, I'm a self-confessed uh, non-mathematician. I've said that from the stage. I'm terrible at math. I am still terrible at math because, again, this year, I don't know how, but we owe again. I, I don't know how that could possibly happen that I would owe again. And I, I just want to say that my initial reaction wasn't, you know, you're the God of miracles. You're the God. No, that was not. I... I was frustrated. I mean, I was. I was. I was like, I read it. I I plan and I, oh, so frustrated. And so let me ask you: how, how do you react? What's what's your initial reaction when you get a bad report? Like when you get a setback or some news that you were not expecting? Like you know, like you come to the end of the month and you're expecting a big commission check and it's not there. Or you're going to work and you thought they were going to increase your hours, but give you a little bit more money. Instead, they're doing cutbacks. Or, or you're in school and you're like, you know, I'm going to take this class because I know this class is really going to set me up and prepare me for my future. And a lot of people, I'm going to take it and a lot of people don't, but I'm going to. I feel good about it. And you got into it and you got in over your head. And it was really, really hard. And now it's, it's cratering on you. Or maybe it's an addiction that there was an addiction you thought you had it conquered. Like, I had it conquered. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, it just. It just rears its ugly head. Or there's an unexpected bill that, that comes in the mail. I, 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 don't, I don't know what it might be for you, but, but we all have this initial reaction, don't we? A frustration, uh, anger, confusion, uh, disappointment, doubt, uh, just, just down. Just, uh, uh. Can I tell you that if that is your initial reaction, congratulations, you're human. 
because we all, we all feel that way. Can we just encourage one another so we all know we're all in the same camp here? So turn to somebody and say, hey, congratulations, you're human. Congratulations, uh, you're human. So, so here in, in Acts chapter 4, we, we see that the early church gets this bad report. Peter and John show up, and, and the early church, and they show up to back to the, the church service, and, and they're gathering with all the church members, and, and the church members say, hey, how'd it go? How'd it go? And Peter and John get up, and they're like, oh, wow. Uh, well, uh, got some bad news. Uh, we're going to have to shut this bad boy down because uh, uh, they said that if we don't, we're going to get arrested, uh, going to get thrown in prison, possibly even killed. All right, now, now, to put that in perspective, just so we can all kind of understand how that must have felt, just imagine that if I had met with the city council and I showed up on a Sunday and stood up here in front of you and you all said, hey, so, so how did it go, Brad? And, and I said, uh, hey, uh, I got some bad news. Uh, they said we can't talk about Jesus anymore. And, and that's not the worst part. Uh, they said if we do that, uh, y'all are going to get arrested. And you're probably going to be thrown in prison. Now, if, if I gave that news, I doubt many of us would go, woohoo, sign me up. He's the God of miracles. I mean, no. <laughs> Most of us, if not all of us, our initial reaction is going to be, whoa, hang on a second. I mean, I'm, I love Jesus and I am all in, but man, I, 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 I got to go to work tomorrow. Like, I, I can't get arrested. I, I have children I have to care for. I have a, I have a house payment. And they, so that's, that's the early church here. I mean, just think of this. In, in uh, Acts chapter 4, I mean, they, it doesn't tell us this, but, but you got to know they were all human. They were all just human. So, so there had to be some that, if not most, that it, their initial reaction was concern or frustration or or fear. I mean, I can't imagine that moment. Someone must have said, I, oh my, I, I, I got to go to work tomorrow. I, I have a house. I, I, I have children. I have two payments left on my donkey. I mean, I... <laughs> but I... But I want you to look at the, um, the reaction that the early church had here to this report, Acts 4, 24. When they heard the report... All the believers, they lifted their voices together in what? Say this with me, in prayer to God. So, so they looked at their situation and immediately turned their eyes heavenward. I would love for that to be my reaction, but if we're all honest, our, our, our first initial reaction is not to pray. In fact, many times, unlike the early church, we exhaust all other means first before I ever pray. You get that bad report, the setback, the, the, the problem comes, and, you know, man, and you, I, I got to make a phone call. So you make a phone call, or I got to get my resume together. I, I gotta, we, we'll throw money at it. Uh, we'll, we'll ignore it. We'll, we'll Google it. You know, Surely there's a YouTube video about this that could help me. We don't Think in terms of, oh, maybe, maybe I should pray. But look at the early church here. For the early church, the thing we have to understand is prayer was not a new thing for the early church. They, they were truly persistent in prayer. If you were to look at the story from the birth to here in chapter 4, um, what you would see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus 
says, wait for the Holy Spirit. Jesus leaves the planet, and they are found in an upper room, about 120 of them, and they are gathered together, and they are praying together. Go to Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. Peter's preached his sermon. About 3,000 added to the church that day. They began to gather, and they were meeting in the temple, and they were meeting in homes, and they were having fellowship together, and it says, and they were fully devoted to prayer. You go to Acts chapter 3, and and Peter and John talked about this last week. Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple. Why are they going to the temple? Because they are going to pray. And then here in Acts chapter 4, we find the early church again praying. And I love this picture that it paints for the early church. It says, all the believers lifted their voices together. Together. Like, they understood the power of, of praying collectively and corporately together. This is what I love about Core Church. Like if you're new to Core Church, you did not come to church, you came to a prayer meeting, okay? That's how immersed in prayer we are in this church. It is foundational to everything we do. Like you can't can't get very far inside the doors of our church until you recognize and realize, man, they pray a lot around here. I mean, before you got here this morning, people were praying. I, I, people prayed for me. I, I, I covet the prayers of this group of people that gather around me, and they pray for me because I know if they don't pray for me, I'm going to pray under my own power with my own ideas. I need them to pray for me that the Holy Spirit would be the one that would speak through me. That happens every Sunday morning. Our teams gather, and our teams gather early, and they don't just gather together for a pre-service meeting to get instructions, and that's important to learn what's happening, to get all that. No, they gather together to pray for what is about to happen. Like greeters are gathering in a circle, and they're praying, God, use my hands. God, use my voice, because somebody is going to walk through that door this morning, and they are lonely, and they are discouraged, and this world is beating them up. God, would you use my hands, use my voice, use my handshake in some way that can get them to a place where they see maybe there's some hope in this place. Man, our kids volunteers, our kids volunteers, they gather on a Sunday morning, they get up early, they get in here early, and they launch into these circles, and they start praying. They start praying, God, use me in the life of this four-year-old. God, help me to introduce Jesus to this child in the right way. They pray over for the seven-year-olds and the nine-year-olds and the ten-year-olds. God, use me. God, I'm inadequate. I don't know the word that well. I'm a new believer myself. But God, help me. This child, I want them to grow up and know you. Help me, God. Is that not amazing as a parent? As a parent, that you know that your child who is back right now in that kid's wing right now, there was a group of people that got here early and they were praying for your kid. That is pretty awesome. We have teams that gather and pray throughout this auditorium, all these seats that you're sitting in. Man, every Thursday you will find me rapping through these rows, rapping through, not rapping. Hey, what's up? I'm not, I can't rap. But, Walking, walking through these rows back and forth, praying. I sat right over there, right over there the other day, and I said, God, who's sitting in this seat? God, minister to them, speak to them. 
We pray during the services. We pray at the end of the services. You're going to see our prayer team. I love our prayer team that gathers all across the front of the auditorium. You people, you're like, I ain't going to pray alone. I ain't praying by myself. I ain't carrying this burden alone. I'm going to take it to somebody. And I love it because our prayer team comes, and there ain't no condemnation. There ain't no guilt. There ain't no, oh, that's what your struggle is. I did not know that. I'm going to let the pastor know. No. (laughs) They're right in it with you. They're praying over you, and man, I watch it. I watch it unfold. You're gonna listen. If you're new, at the end of the service, you're gonna see this happen like you ain't ever seen it anywhere else. It's crazy. Like people are gonna flood to our prayer team, and people are gonna join their faith with someone else's faith and be strengthened through it. But it doesn't end there. Tonight, our core groups will meet all over this city, and they meet together and they fellowship together and they they. Uh, they laugh together, they eat together, they, they open the word of God together. But can I tell you, the most important thing that our groups do is they circle up and they gather to pray for one another. This Wednesday night, we're going to do something called Core Community. Once a month, we have a gathering where this Wednesday, right out here in the lobby, we start with a dinner at 630. It's pretty awesome to watch a free dinner, people pour in. Laughing together and talking with each other, meeting new people. It's really, it's just a really cool environment. Then we start about seven and we have some songs that are just really fun to sing together and an encouraging word that is given. But can I tell you the most important thing that will happen this Wednesday night with Core Community is we will pray. We pray collectively for our church and for our community, for our city. And then the most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed is together people will get up and they get in these little circles and they begin to pray for one another. Listen, I'll tell you something. You're like, Brad, I don't, I don't know how to pray. Man, I just, I don't, can I just tell you like the easiest way to learn how to pray is not to go to a seminar, not to read a book. It's to go get around people that pray. Like, just get, at the end of the service, even if you don't have a prayer request, if you don't know how to pray, just come up to the, one of our prayer team members and just make it up. Like, oh, hey, would you uh, just pray for my family? Uh, and then just lean in. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, all right. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then just borrow it. It's, 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 can you do that? Yeah, you can do that. I don't know if I'd make up a prayer request. But show up Wednesday night, and you'll start hearing other people praying. You'll be like, oh, okay. All right, okay, and we start feeding one another. Can I tell you, this ain't even my message. I have, I'm so ramped off of my message right now. I'm not even close to what I'm supposed to be talking about. I'm supposed to be talking about this next week, okay? So this is a critical thing we're going to talk about next week. Where, where was I? All right. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, so this is cool. This, this is really good stuff. This is good, all right? Listen to how these early believers began their prayer. You ready? Here's how they began their prayer uh, in verse 24. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. Can, can, we, can we just be honest up in this house today? Whenever I get bad news, you know, I usually begin my prayers, help me, Jesus! <laughs> That's how I begin my prayers. But, but the early church, they, they began by putting the problem into perspective. Come on, t- come on, tell three people right now. You got to put that problem into perspective. Come on, tell somebody around you. You got to put that problem into perspective. I right, check this out. They reminded themselves of who God was. They listen to how they started the prayer. They they used a word we don't use a lot in church, 
but it's this word sovereign. They say, oh, sovereign Lord. That, this word sovereign, like lean in, okay? Lean in, listen to this. This is, this is our God. He is sovereign. This word sovereign means supreme power and authority. What that means is other people do have power, but his power trumps all other power. Pun intended, okay? I mean, his power and authority is greater than anything or anyone that you could come across. He's bigger than an addiction. He's bigger than that relationship that's jacking you up. He's bigger than that boss that won't do what you think they need to do. He's bigger than that disease that you have faced and has crippled you. Our God is supreme. He is powerful and all authority is his. This idea of sovereign also means absolute dominion. Nothing dominates our God. Our problems dominate us, don't they? I mean, they just dominate me. They overwhelm me. They don't overwhelm God. He dominates problems. He dominates a crisis. It also means this, no limits and no restraints. Nothing can hold him back. Like, this is our God. This is who we're praying to. This is who has got your back. Oh, that, yeah, come on. That We got to give God some praise for that. If you're taking notes, write this down so I can catch my breath. Man, I ain't ever preached this hard in a long time. This is, this is so key. This is so important. Persistent prayer. Persistent prayer reveals God's sovereignty in the midst of my uncertainty. Persistent prayer reveals, all right, it puts the problem into perspective. Persistent prayer reveals God's sovereignty in the midst of my uncertainty. Now, the reason I, I think you need to write that down is because you need to write it down. You need to put it into your Bible. You need to put it next to your bedside. You need to put it on your mirror because that crisis and that thing, guess what? If you don't write it down, you're going to forget it. You're going to forget every, everything I said today. Now, how am I going to forget? You're going to forget everything I said today. You know why I know that? Because just last night, Laura and I were dealing with an issue and a struggle and a problem that we were trying to figure it out and it was overwhelming us all day long. All day long, completely overwhelmed by it. Finally, when I got on my knees at about 9.30 last night to go to bed, we started to pray, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm preaching about this tomorrow. I'd completely forgotten the sovereignty of God. Once I realized the sovereignty of God, put it all back into perspective for me. Man, this... This idea of the sovereignty of God, that it's, it's just in prayer that we remind ourselves that God is bigger than my problem. He's over my problem, my crisis, and my struggle. I speak faith over fear. Man, I speak confidence over the crisis. I, I speak the promise of God over the problem. It's still there, but my God is, is over it. And, and I, I love this because the early church, they understood this. And what they did is they leaned into, they leaned into the promises of Scripture when they prayed. They leaned into the Scriptures. Like, look what it says here in, in verse 25. They said this, You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant. And, they, and then they began to pray Psalm chapter so the next few verses you see in your Bible, that's not New Testament writing. That's Psalm chapter 2. 
They're, they're praying the scriptures. And, and that scripture in Psalm chapter 2 talks about the rejection of the Messiah, that he would be rejected by man, that, that he, there would be pushback and there would be a struggle. And we, we know that that Messiah is Jesus. And so in this moment when they're praying Psalm chapter 2, they reminded themselves like, oh yeah, th- this is what God said. Th- this is who he is. Wait, wait a second. He's got this. He's got this. Remember he said that this was going to happen, and now it's happening. And so uh, Jesus is the Messiah. He is over this. He is sovereign over it. All right, he's got it. You know what I, I fear is that many of us pray what I would call Jenga prayers. You ever played the game Jenga? Jenga, if you don't know what that game is, it's, it's basically these blocks, and you take these blocks, and you build them all up, and then... Each person takes out one block at a time until, the whole, until finally the thing just crumbles around itself. I think so many of us are praying Jenga prayers. We're praying our own thoughts and our own ideas. All right, God, I need you to do this, and I need you to do, you need to make this happen and God, this is what's going on. You got to change this, and you need to make this happen. I need it to happen at this time, and we build it all up on our own thoughts and ideas. And then the doubts come. And when the doubts come, and your prayer has been built on your own thoughts and your own ideas, doubts come in, and it removes a block. Fear comes in, and it removes a block. Doubts come in, and remove a block. Frustration comes in and removes a block until finally it just collapses all around us. But here's the thing. When we, when we, when we pray the word, when we pray the word, we, we are building our prayers on the truth of God, a solid foundation See, when I, when I pray the word, what happens is I'm aligning my heart to God's heart. I'm aligning my mind to God's mind, and therefore, I begin to have the mind of Christ. Like, this ain't my idea, God. This is your idea, and I'm leaning into that promise. Listen, I'm telling you, this is, this is a big moment right now. You need, to, you need to lean into this. You need to own this. It will radically change your life. How do I know that? Because I've been praying these prayers for decades. And when I don't, I always see it come crumbling around me. I've always tried to lean and pray scripture. I mean, 2007, God led me to the book of Nehemiah. I began to pray the book of Nehemiah. And then we all have seen the last five years what God has done in this church. It's been a Nehemiah type of movement. We've seen the scriptures and the promises of God fulfilled. I've seen it over and over again in my family as I'm like, God, when I'm in a struggle or something's happening, I I go right to the word. Give me a promise. Show me something. Can I give you something like right now? Let me show you what I'm living right now. A little over a year ago, my oldest son, Stephen, and his his wife, uh, it's been actually several years that they've been working on adopting a child. And they they found a child in South Korea that was in an orphanage, and uh, they got linked up with that child and, and began the process of adopting him. And they thought that, and we all thought that last summer that he was coming home. But man, you can imagine governments and courts and it didn't go so fast. It's been well over a year and uh, he's still not here. 
And, and uh, so this, this year in 2018 and back in January, I, I just started, I was praying for him and I said, God, would you just give me uh, something I can pray over him? Give me a, give me a, give me a promise that you're going to, that you're going to bring him home. And, and God led me to, to Psalm 2710. I was reading, I was just reading through Psalm 2710 and it just leaped off the page and it says in Psalm 2710 that though my mother and father might abandon me, you will hold me close. And I said, God, God, I've been leaning into that scripture for him like you, you have no idea because I'm a grandpa. And my grandson right now is alone in an orphanage in South Korea. I want to wrap my hands around that kid. So You have no idea how bad I want to wrap my hands around that kid and give him a big hug and tell him everything's going to be okay and you're safe and nobody, it's, it's all going to be okay and I can't do it. But God can wrap his arms around him. And that's been my prayer, God. We can't get to him, but you wrap your arms around him. You keep him safe until he comes home. See, this is, this is what God wants to do. And when we, when we pray the word, we're building our prayers on the truth of God. And listen, when God gives you a promise from the word, you have his word because he is the word. John 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God, and then the word became human, and that human had a name and divinity, and his name was what? Jesus. Jesus. You can lean on that. And I love this, because in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of uncertainty, the early church reminded themselves of the sovereignty of God. So listen how they, listen how they really press into prayer here. I love how they press into it. Verse 29. Come on, look at verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness. Somebody say boldness. boldness. Give us boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Somebody say power. power. Really? Of one person. Say power. You're all like, power. <laughs> that is what's wrong with the church today. Because we're like, well, God, if you can, Lord Jesus, just some power. If you give some power, be nice. We appreciate it. Be nice. You know, you got time. You can do it. That's not this kind of prayer. They, they pray for, for power. Okay, come on. Somebody say power. power. Listen. When you understand that it's not your power, that's the way you're going to start talking. That's the way you'll start talking. But as long as you think it's your own power, you're like, well, power. And the reason our prayers fall flat and the reason our prayers many times go unanswered, not all the time, but many times why our prayers go unanswered, reasons we doubt, reasons we struggle, is because it's my own power, my own thoughts, my own ideas. But when you change that, and you say, oh, wait, it's the Holy Spirit's power. Now I'm going to pray with power. I'm going to pray with boldness. And listen to how they pray. Man, God, they said this. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Man, I mean, come on. Do you not want to see miraculous signs and wonders done in this place? I know I do. Man, I... I believe in the power of our God to make the lame well. I believe that if you are sick with a physical ailment, God can heal you. I believe that if you're emotionally 
just a struggle. You got depression or anxiety. Well, God can deliver you from that. God can deliver your soul from sin. Miraculous signs and wonders is what our God wants to do. But so often, so often, man, I'm just not sure this is how I would pray. I I mean, when I I look at this, I think so many times that's how I pray. Oh, Lord, just hear the IRS threats. Stretch out your hand and smite them, God. Smite them, oh, mighty smiter. (laughs) That's how I pray. I mean, so often, where do our prayers go to? We pray for protection. Uh, and it's not horrible. We should not, nothing wrong praying for protection, but we pray for protection. We pray for relief. We, we, we certainly many times are not praying for, for boldness and power. But again, I want you to remember this, we're human. That, that's why we're human. We, we're prone to confusion. We're prone to doubt. We're prone to fear. We're, we're prone to just give up and, and get discouraged. And here, here's the thing, Th- those thoughts are going to keep coming at you. And that's why you have to continue to be uh, persistent in prayer. Fear is going to come. You got to be persistent in prayer. I mean, uh, uh, doubt is going to come and you got to be persistent in prayer. I mean, your confidence is going to be shaken by a situation. You got to be persistent in prayer. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing thing. I've got to continually be persistent in prayer. In in other words, God, I hear their threat. God, I I see what's happening. I see the bill that I got. I know what happened at work. I know what she said. I know what he said. I know the report that the doctor gave, but God, I am leaning into you. Give me boldness. Give me power to believe your promises. Be persistent in prayer because persistent prayer reveals God's sovereignty in the midst of my uncertainty. And listen to what happened. Look what happened here. After this prayer, verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with, with who? The Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the word of God with somebody say boldness. Boldness, boldness that's what I'm talking about. Like, you, you, you following this story? They walked right back into the face of persecution. Are you kidding me? The very thing that they said they were going to be arrested, imprisoned, and killed for, they walked right back into it, but not under their own power. They walked back into it, strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And all they were doing was following the example of Jesus. Jesus, who faced the brutality of the cross, faced it with boldness and power. Why? Because Scripture teaches us that Jesus, he was filled with the Spirit. Now remember this, Jesus was fully divine, but he was fully human. He was a human just like we were, facing a brutal cross, but the Holy Spirit gave him that strength. And listen, as a child of God, you have the Spirit of God in you. And if you have the Spirit of God in you, you can move in boldness and power. Like you can walk right back into the face of that circumstance with courage and with confidence. Like you can say, I am not going to back down. Like I am going to stand and believe the promises of God. Like my God will be 
faithful to me. And if you believe that, would you give God some praise for who he is?